0: You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the Games Edition, a gaming podcast for people who want honest opinions by freaks with nothing better to do with their time. Here's Roger and his crew. That's not going
1: to be the same without random Twitter and AIM messages popping up in the middle of the show. Oh, I have a feeling we'll get those anyways.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much a given, Vince. All right, um, we
0: talked a lot last week about Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney on the lower edition. And now uh, Vince and I made it very clear how unbelievably giddy we are about this. But I hadn't heard until afterwards that they are actually planning this. Now, granted, it's only being planned as such as a Japan-only release. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to push to get people to shoulder. And own... it, it, it seems very gimmicky. It seems like they're trying to get people worldwide to, you know, sign this virtual petition and everything to get them to release it everywhere else. It seems, again, somewhat gimmicky. But it it, it is possible that this is actually that they only plan Japan only and that we may be screwed out of this awesome crossover.
2: It's not entirely far-fetched that, you know, it's going to be a Japan-only title. I mean, look how many games are out there or that have existed that were, you know, one region only or region-specific. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be too surprised, but it could also very easily be a marketing gimmick.
1: Yeah, that that's definitely where I see it. I mean, they, they wouldn't bring it up as, oh, well, maybe we'll do it if, if you treat us nice enough, if they weren't already considering it.
0: Yeah, again, it it does seem like a very clever marketing ploy, some viral kind of thing going on there, which, you know, what? fine, do it, but I don't think you need it. <laughs> I think there'd be enough interest that you wouldn't need to worry about this. This sucker will sell, and, it, and like I said last week, it will sell consoles as well. Well,
2: I don't know. I mean, think about it. How many people actually bought Professor Lane? Like, I'm interested to see, like, the two games, their actual sales. I know they became, like... Pop culture references, like especially you know, Phoenix Wright, but I'm kind of curious to see the actual number on sales. I don't, I don't really know.
1: I, I, don't know the exact numbers, but I remember reading an article talking about how Professor Layton actually is a pretty big hit in the West, uh, North America, and Europe together. But Phoenix Wright really, like, it's it's been okay, but it hasn't really been much of a success. I mean, Professor Layton has done quite well for itself, but the the, the Ace Attorney games haven't been really that big of blockbusters. But I think
0: what it is as well that would sell this is that it is that kind of crossover. And that will make a big difference and will draw a lot of people over to it. Because by now, like you said, too, by now, both of them have become pulp, pop culture icons. Okay. So by simple virtue of that and the fact that they're crossing them over, you're looking at an increased amount of sales worldwide, regardless of if people have actually played the previous games.
2: Well, if we've learned nothing from comics, is that crossovers don't always work. Oh God! Yes, yes, we've discussed that at length in our (laughs) podcast. I I listened.
0: Did you really? Be still, my beating heart. You actually
2: listened. (laughs) I I fixed iTunes on my phone, and I've been downloading. Boys,
1: man, crap! That means we got to be good now. speak for oh, yourself. No. I like the nerd rage. <laughs> I bring
0: my A game <laughs> each show. Okay, let's move on from there to something that actually Vince and I were talking about and that was the Sony PSP phone that they were talking about that was kind of leaked out and, <laughs> and yeah, engage god. So okay, Vince, what do you think about this? And do you think, think that it's... do you think that they can actually based on the success that Apple has had with converting a phone into a gaming device a blend hybrid of both do you think that anybody else can replicate that
1: i think it's pretty damn stupid like i i don't know exactly what sort of niche they're going for here i the the psp was okay until the the iphone really took off as a gaming platform so i i think they're stretching themselves too thin here like i i don't see why anybody is really going to not only buy this but buy whatever contracts and whatnot are necessary to go with it when well, you could just buy an iPhone I, I, I like the concept like I really like the design of the system uh, if those two little analog nubs work I like the design of the system I'm I just not sold on it as a gaming or a phone platform
2: I'm actually kind of excited about this and the only reason that I am is because it's not just Sony doing it by themselves It's the Sony Ericsson division and they've been producing some really kick-ass phones lately that unfortunately haven't been getting a whole lot of time uh, in the whole tech light of day but they're really solid pieces of machinery with great screens and very few bugs um, so I'm really excited to see something like this happen because mobile gaming is always something that we talk about you know, we we have our PSPs, we have our uh, Nintendo DSIs our Nintendo DSs things like that and it's something that they tried years ago with, you know, the N-Gage and failed horribly uh, when Nokia tried that but this actually looks like it might be slick enough to pull it off i mean it's it's a very it's it's a very simple design it's the exact same design as you get from a typing phone exactly the same type of phone with like a keyboard built in that slides up it looks nice it's sleek and it could be what they actually need to bridge that gap i mean you have a lot of people that are are diehard sony fans for other services like verizon or or t-mobile that in the states that don't have the iphone yet this could be a great way for them to cash
1: in I, I i don't know like the the thing that made the iphone so successful is that it could do so many things and it was pretty good with games and whereas this i i don't know if there's going to be enough of that other stuff to really make it successful and at least for me personally i'm not interested in changing my entire cell phone uh, Plans and companies around just for the sake of playing some games. That that doesn't interest me. But well, some people, some people do, and that's right. The thing. Some people, but is it as enough people is the question? And of those enough people, you got to
0: know that many of them are iPhone subscribers. So you've got. A ton of iPhone users that are sure as shit not going to drop their contracts or, or the phones just to switch over to this. Especially when you consider the history that the PSP has in terms of quote unquote popular games. So there's not enough of a library to make it so that you would consider switching over to this as your gaming device versus the iPhone that I mean is leaps and bounds in terms of the games that you can. freaking Halloween Angry Birds just came out and I'm having a blast with it and it was 99 cents so when you're looking at the iPhone and the history that it already has all of the games that it already has the success that it's seeing I mean freaking second only to Exxon in terms of capital the freaking Apple there's a much better track record there than
2: Sony has with a PSP Oh, I agree, but I'm saying there's still money to be made. I mean, how many people downloaded Final Fantasy VII through the PlayStation Network for playing on their PSP? You know, what if you didn't want to carry around two devices and here's a phone that can play, you know, your Final Fantasy sevens, your Rayman's, your... Uh, whatever games happen to be ported over. And it's a perfect opportunity for them to start taking their older library of games, games that we're seeing convert very well to a mobile format in the PSP um, that can, that have the potential, like their PS1 library essentially, and possibly make them into phone games. You know, and your little, your other games like the Angry Birds and things like that. I mean, they're on Verizon. They, these games are available on Verizon as well. Not all of them, but a good chunk of them as well, just as an example. So they are, they do exist on other carriers. So it, this could be a good move for them. I think it will have to see uh, basically a cross section to see how many people would really jump on it but put it in perspective two guys at work that I've never talked to at all were mentioning this today to each other I walked by a conversation on my way to lunch they were talking about the PSP phone and I never pegged them as gamers and they're like really excited about this because they wanted a new phone and they wanted a new phone that would play old school games
0: I think that if see part of it is is also the design reminds me very much of the Go which has failed miserably, so that's going to be on a lot of people's minds as well. Now they may very pull very well pull off with the dual analog sticks and everything else, but that wasn't the only thing that was holding back the Go. There was the the, the distribution of the 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 media, the games, and everything else too. So I'm not trying to say that it can't work well. I'm just saying that. I doubt it would do nearly as well as a the PSP two. If they could come out with a solid, solid design for a PSP two that is actually not going to be hindered by the the well the UMD that's not going to be mm-hmm. relying solely on digital as well though that offers everything that we need that we need for a PSP2, and they know. I mean, everybody has told them. They've made freaking mock-ups of what the PSP2 should be. So just do it, make it work. Um, The other thing that I found interesting about this was that if, and it's a big if, but if Apple decides to buy Sony, which the rumor has been out now because they've got like $52 billion to spare to buy a company, if Apple buys Sony, do you really think that they would then approve a device that would compete against the iPhone in terms of sales? Why
1: I don't not if they're, they're making money off both?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at this point, it's the same thing that we talk about with the MMO market, Is it really about competing as opposed to just making a profit at this point? You don't have to compete; you just have to be profitable. And if it's a successful, profitable item, they win. You know, if they make more money than they spent on it, they win. So, I mean, that's that's really the key there. It's not they don't have to crush the iPhone. And uh, all the all the marketing uh, people that have talked about this so far, any any snippet you find anywhere, they're not talking about crushing the iPhone. They're talking about providing their alternative. They're well, talking about providing their mobile gaming experience. And I think that's really important to note, just just throwing that out
0: there. Yeah, well, at this point here, they'd be fools to think that they could crush the iPhone. I mean, that's like any MMO that's coming out and saying that they're going to be the wild killer. It's just not going to happen, folks. So accept that you're putting out a good phone and then you'll have your user base, but that's the best that you're going to do. Okay, let's move away from there. Let's actually talk very quickly about Champions Online going free to play. Joe, what do you think
2: I'm, about this with your your lifetime membership? I'm actually really excited about this. Um, a lot of people wanted to try the game, but didn't want to make the initial investment. And making free to play right now was really hot. Um, I don't know if you've noticed how many players how many subscribers lotro got as soon as it went free to play people. and people love the game and the content really isn't that limited and what they're doing here is they're really doing something smart they're providing uh the same level of service to people that pay the monthly fee so you're going to get the same type of game expansions are still going to be free that that's important here they're talking about content expansions are going to remain free for both people that play is, pay a subscription and free to play. But their customizable archetypes and things like that, that, that the paying players will get, are really nice. And they're, they're special bonuses for those pay, those paying players. So the free players actually get quite a bit of shit. And you go through this list, and there's a, a comprehensive list. I don't know if you want to click on the link to bring it up there on the, the feed there, Roger, uh, as we're going through it. But okay, they're creating... Where, I got it. I got it.
0: I got it. I know where I am. Excellent. Full list. Sorry, I just belched up a huge, freaking cherry belch, and it caught me by surprise. But I was on mute.
2: excellent. Okay, so what we're not as good like... the second time around, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so for gold members, which are going to be the fourteen ninety nine monthly or lifetime members like me, uh, you get custom archetypes, which are free. You don't pay anything additional. You get your base archetypes, your gold archetypes, which are special archetypes only available to premium players. Um, well, I shouldn't say only available, but you know, mainly available to premium players. They're purchasable. Uh, you they're they're they are purchasable for the free players but we'll get to that in a second yeah you get eight plus character slots all the zones are open all character levels are open um adventure packs are like these little mini like add-ons that you can get to the game like extra armor and things like that like you know i bought samurai armor because i had points laying around um you know you get your pvp you get your nemesis um you get More than 3,000 parts to play with, Uh, that's just for base costumes, you get special costumes with an additional 400 parts, and premium costumes still cost money, Um, you still, you get three or more costume slots, Um, crafting is still free, you get four inventory bag slots, now this is going to be important to to remember, okay? Um, you get your gold travel powers, which are, you know, super awesome ones. You get your power tinting, which is, you can, uh, change the color and location of your spells and your powers, which is kind of nifty. Um, you get, you can purchase special devices. You can, you know... There's a bunch of extra stuff. Now, the free stuff, you get almost exactly the same. You're limited to two character slots, um, which is very important to notice. You can't purchase more. You got two on your free account. That's it. Um, You get your base archetypes. Custom archetypes are not available for the the silver players, the free players. Um, All zones are still open. All character levels are open. Adventure packs are purchasable for silver players. Not free. Um, They still get the same 3,000 parts. They can purchase gold member costumes, and they can still purchase premium costume packs. They only get one character slot to start. There are other things that unlock it later, but they only get one base costume slot. Crafting is still free. Inventory bag slots for the free players is one. You are very limited in your inventory. You cannot upgrade it. You get one slot to work with. Okay. Now, Everything else is pretty much, you know, base. There's a few things different. Like you get their market, their version of the auction house. There's a slight difference. Um, There's little restrictions on creating uh, your super group. And there is also restrictions on forum access for the free players. But other than that, everything else is pretty comparable. You know, and one last thing uh, to mention, though, is priority login. Now, they instituted this a while, like right before... They went. They talked about the free-to-play model, where if you're a paying customer, you pay that monthly fee. You pay for an upgraded account. You get ahead of the queue. So if there's a queue to log into the game, you're pushed to the front. If you're a free or silver player, you don't get pushed to the front. So How I much of a queue? Of interesting. Okay. When's the last time you actually logged in? Uh, two three weeks ago. And what was the there queue was... like then? There was actually a small queue. Really? There was oh. like fifteen. It was like a 15-20 person queue. It was very quick, but I think that's going to be – it was a smart move on their part because with free-to-play, how many people are going to jump all over this game for free-to-play? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Especially, Especially with DC Universe being so far off, you know, we have a long time before DC Universe comes out. So this is going to be a great, great way for them to rope people into the game and get people to start paying money for these extra stuff or for even a subscription to get all the extra bells and whistles. Well, you the, thi- think?
0: the thing that kills me is the inventory bags because you got four, but everybody else is going to get one. But it's not saying purchasable that you can buy more. So you're going to be stuck with one. And what we've seen from... Many other games is when they restrict your inventory space, that's when the game becomes a pain in the ass. When you can't be picking up everything to then make your money from, that's when the game really slows down. And I know that myself, especially I detest that and I don't have fun with it.
2: I don't think that's going to be as much of a problem here unless you're really into the crafting system. And I'll be honest, the crafting system is not the greatest thing in the world. It's it's fun, and you can do things like break components down that you find. But unless you're really, really, really into the crafting system, it's not that big of a deal. I- because... you. I don't I'm know. Sorry, dude. I,
0: I, like, yeah.
2: I haven't played nearly as much as you, but when I played my freaking bag was full all the time. See, and mine wasn't because I would every time I made a pit stop, every single time I made a pit stop, I would sell off what I didn't need or I would break it down. And honestly, I didn't care about crafting at one point. So unless it was an upgrade for me, I sold it. So, I mean, okay. it,
1: if you do something like that, I don't think it'll be much of a problem. We see what in my time playing it during the free weekends and whatnot. Like I did care about the crafting and I had bags upon bags filled with crap just from breaking down the materials and all that. Like I didn't sell it off. I, I, I held on to it to use it. So for someone like me, yeah, the one inventory slot is going to be a huge constriction. Cause even at like level 12, I needed three bags just for all the crap I was carrying around. I mean, overall it's good for
0: sure. And, and, They're thinking smart in terms of having seen the success that Lord of the Rings is having right now, which is huge. I mean, can't say enough of how well they're doing since changing over. And also, everybody's got to smarten up and understand that in this day and age, in an MMO, you're going to make more money as a a free-to-play with pay incentives versus a monthly fee. That's just how it's going to be from now on, probably, or at least for a good long while. But one thing... uh go ahead i'm sorry no no it's all right but what there's there's certain limitations that i'm seeing here that i don't like otherwise i'd be all for it and even if they made the inventory slots purchasable you know a 15 one-time fee i mean even if it's per character i mean when you're thinking in terms of you'd have to pay that per month anyways to play all right, I'll purchase one every once in a while. I'm certainly not suggesting that as a price point because I think it's a little excessive, but you get my point. But to say that, no, you're going to be stuck with one, it rings of cryptic, stupid-ass- purchasing the way that they do things for their, their. I mean, case in point I'm not even finishing my sentences, I'm not uh, here <laughs> they did a big thing just before Halloween for Star Trek Online and they were saying that all the costumes were actually on sale in their store. We also have the brand new Seven of Nine or, or whatever it's called there, uh, costume so popular, blah 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 a small print, however the Seven of Nine costume is not going to be on sale like everybody else well, come on! You know what? Bite me! Just bite me! That's 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 not cool. No. So uh, it's a money grab, and we've seen them do that a lot with Star Trek, and I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of the same thing with Champions Online, and especially because most of their money is going to come from such types of scandalous marketing, we're going to see a lot more.
2: I agree with you and I understand where you're coming from the only thing I see different is Star Trek was a train wreck for the most part let's be honest there's a lot of things wrong with it very few things that we really enjoyed about it which made it even if it was a free to play model with all these paid stuff that people can purchase later on made it kind of
1: horrible
2: so with this you're looking at it you can play this game and have a ton of fun and not have to worry about any of the paid stuff if you play it as an action game, you know, and that's what kind of makes it good for me in that regard. The only thing I have a problem with, and this is kind of a big thing I have a problem with, is the customer service. If you look at it, if you're a paying <laughs> what customer. What is that? <laughs> hold on, hold on. If, you, if you're paying for it, you get free live support. You can go to their site, you can chat with somebody, you can call, you can email them, you'll get an automated, you'll, you'll get your responses from a live person, supposedly. Um, if you're a free player, you only get access to the self-help knowledge base. So you do not have contact with somebody through your account for support. So if you call in and you try to get support, they're going to look at your account and probably direct you back to the knowledge base because... That's kind of how they roll, and I think that's kind of a dick move. Everything else I like about it, but that support thing really pisses me off. As a person who's worked in customer service for well over a decade, that's bullshit. Everybody should get free live support. I don't give a fuck if it's a free product or if it's a paid product. You should be able to at least email a person and get a damn response. So You hear that cryptic? You you, you pissed off, Joe. If, if you're listening, you, you want somebody to head up, a, you know, you need additional people to head up your customer service department. Pay me. I'll do it. But seriously, don't jip people out of their ability to get support. Shit breaks. People like to talk to other people. They like to get an email response to make them feel all warm and fuzzy inside that somebody actually is listening instead of going to a fucking knowledge base that I don't know if you've seen their knowledge bases. It's fucking <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> to navigate. You type in a search word and you, you know, find a, a website for a vacation in Hawaii so, I mean, either they need to streamline the shit out of that knowledge base and make it solid, or please offer free support for the people, even if they don't pay. Even if they're not paying a monthly fee, they may be purchasing other things, so they're still paying customers. All right.
0: Give stop talking. Stop talking. Support. Stop talking. Vince, did you have something to add? No.
1: I'll no?
0: just
1: You're let good. that one slide. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Actually, sorry. You, sorry. it's very,
0: it would be very hard to follow that, actually. Two weeks okay. of
2: rage. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. We're actually going to talk a little bit uh, about cataclysm because some big things started happening today. We've Should been talking is? about a lot of world events that are leading up to cataclysm right now, World of Warcraft. And we just saw, I mean, we've been seeing some earthquakes, which have been kind of cool and kind of when initially, um, But, I mean, not a huge deal. And you certainly get used to them after a while. They've been happening with such frequency. It's like, oh, well, here's another earthquake. Whoop-de-doo. But now, now... It's on the freaking there's cults all over the place with the end is near signs to put on your chest and back, which are awesome. And there's a whole mess of quests all over the place. And it is on right now. It's starting. And what this is leading me to believe is that there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming up from now until Cataclysm. So Joe, I'm going to let you start off with what you thought of this.
2: I like this event. I'll be perfectly honest I like the idea that the the event is working in stages right so we had our 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 sort of pre pre cataclysm event where leaders of the cities were meeting and talking about taking back their their zones or thralls talking about leaving and leaving Garrosh in charge and you know we get these events we get the echo Isles and we get Nomaragon, which are now gone I believe um, yeah they're and gone. you have these these sort of ramp ups right Then all of a sudden these earthquakes start shaking more and more and you see this sort of build up as everything is starting to come to what's going to happen in four weeks, cataclysm. So here's this event, and it's really well done, I think. Um, It happens every one to three hours, uh, roughly. You don't need to do all the quests associated to participate in all aspects of it. You can just go and kill elementals. You can go kill cultists. And when when you fight in your major city and win, you can go do bosses. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, I didn't do this quest line. Oh, I only have so much time. I think it's kind of awesome i also really like the way that it's broken down um there's a preparation phase which is basically um you start hearing uh npcs calling for protection against this disaster that's happening right you see storm when you're you're piling up sandbags to protect against flooding uh in argomar i think you're doing oh, what the hell is it or uh, argomar and Thunderbluff, they're doing something else
1: okay i can't remember
2: yeah I can't but run. they're spike barricades they're they're trying to to, they're doing they're very they're doing their very hordish very black rock mountain thing all right and they're preparing for war they're preparing for battle um there's a quest line associated with it where you get a you know a buff and you go out and your your job is to close you know to set these spikes or to lay these sandbags down that's phase one um phase one ends either after five minutes after it begins or after 50 Spike Barricades or Sandbags or wind stoppers, or Thunderheads are deployed in a strategic places on the capital. Now the Thunderhead thing is cool to me uh, because the Thunderheads are sort of a playback to artwork that was done about the Wildhammer Dwarfs a while ago, the, and I, the Lightning Cairns. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that sort of come back into the game where you're actually trying to defuse elemental uh, responses by something that's been in play in the world for years essentially. From phase one, it goes to phase two, where it's the rescue phase, um, where multiple elemental rifts will open on both capitals. Uh, basically Sorman and Thunder Bluff will get Earth and Fire. And uh, I'm sorry, they'll get water and wind, and earth and fire will be an Agumar and Ironforge. Kinda kind of makes sense, right? From the multiple el- from these multiple elementals will pour out, and your job essentially is to kill the elementals. Every time you kill the elemental, the hit points of the rifts are reduced. Now, the rifts themselves only have 32 hit points, but they're immune to everything, right? Every time you kill a mental, it's reduced by one. So you have to kill 32 elementals per rift in order to close it. But these rifts, or these elementals, they're not pushovers. They actually hit pretty fucking hard. They're freaking tough. (laughs) They are are rough. They are rough. You go in there by yourself, you don't have a healer, you're probably going to get your ass smacked. I thought it was kind of cool. From there, we, from the rescue phase, which you're trying to save your city, city and citizens, you go on to the defense phase. Um, elemental rifts uh, in all sections will no longer spawn, non only elementals, and they become the, the these are the, the super elite, I'm going to rip your face apart elementals that you have to kill again to close the rifts. They hit harder, they have more hit points, they suck balls. Trust me, you will get hit hard if you're not paying attention. I've seen... Tanks in ICC 277 gear. Uh, I saw somebody go down I just I happen to log in real quick while waiting for these Yahoo's to call me and just saw somebody drop it was awesome um, So from there um, you have when phase 3 starts you have 60 minutes to close all the rifts. So after that one hour a super elite level 85 earthen ring NPC um, With over 3 million hit points spawns and closes all rifts in your city um, after that after all the rifts are, are done um if you do it yourself if you close the rifts you get a reward you get a next step which is counter-attack if you let the earth and ring npc do it you get nothing okay counter-attack is your faction leaders who have been fighting with you in the city to close these rifts uh you're talking about garrosh and cairn uh in agramar in you're talking or in, in thunder bluff and you're talking about uh, Varian Rin and yeah, Varian. You know, Jaina and King Magni and things like that. They're they are going through and they're fighting with you. So you get the sense of these leaders actually caring about their people and getting in the thick of things, right, which is also cool. But they send you to go kill the leaders, essentially, of these elemental upbringings, these uprisings. And there are four of them. There's Grand Ambassador Flamlash, who is in BRD, Crown Prince Therados in Maradon, Kaju Gazrilla in Zulfarak and Prince Sarsarun in AQ20. First of all, I think it's really awesome that they're getting players to go to these old world dungeons that are going to be either changing or gone when the cataclysm comes, right? You're talking about, they talked about cutting things out of BRD. They talked about cutting things out of Maradon. So you're getting to see these. Now, these are the, these are the, uh no these are these are live not entity these are these just a lot of people haven't completed the steps to make these active yet. Um but these bosses are updated versions of, you know, Godzilla, uh of Flamelash, of Prince Therados. The only new one is Prince Sarasurin which is based off the Thundaren, the Prince Thundarian model uh from the Wind Fury quest. And each one will they hit hard and when you go to face them you face them by queuing up in the Looking for Dungeon group once they're unlocked for your faction. They're available for 30 minutes, and your faction leader comes with you, okay? So you either get uh, King Varian Wren, uh, to who's going to fight with you, defeat the Water and Wind bosses, or you're going to get King Magni Bronzebeard, defeat the the Fire and Earth. Um, you get Garrosh to go with you uh, for the Fire and Earth, and you get Cairn to go with you for the Water and Wind, which is kind of cool as well. So they're going with you on the assault, right? All these bosses drop loot equivalent to ICC-10 level. How awesome is that? Yeah, it's level 251. So you, it's level 251 loot. And it's awesome, awesome there's, too. There's some good shit in there. There are some really good shit in there i'll let I'll let Roger talk about it. I think've I've gone on about it a little
0: bit more No no, I actually I wasn't going to go on and talk about every single thing that we saw. I do have the link though that has a a whole mess of the gear. I'll post it actually in the show notes so that people can see if anybody's in the chat room though they'll be able to see um, because it's separated on the site on Wowhead based on the the boss and then from there they drop um do they each drop yeah they each drop five different items except except for Sarsaran. Sarsaran. He only drops uh, four things. They've got a nice, even, somewhat even um, drop rate, although, again, heavy tank plate wearers, that's where most of it is. I didn't think there was quite enough for a caster, but, the whatever um it no fantastic gear that you're looking at again level 251 gear so if you are looking at just gearing out a tune like i am with my hunter right now these things are fantastic these holiday events are fantastic because you go in random more often than not, people are already decked out. I mean, it's a month to cataclysm. Most people's tunes are pretty well decked out. I mean, hell, you could sit I dude, when I was doing headless headless horseman on my shaman in Resto Spec, my totem was enough to heal the little bit of damage that everybody took. And that was steady. I never had to heal because everybody's so well decked out. So these things here, don't be intimidated thinking, oh my gear, my my dude's not well enough gear to to be able to take this no 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 no. go in have some fun do whatever it is that you can do and then hopefully you'll score some
2: of this gear and the cool thing about it really is that it's done through the looking for dungeon group once it's unlocked so if you log in and you get your little buffs you go to your cities and you see that you've got that little thing you can do it straight straight from the looking for dungeon group so you don't have to worry about missing your 30 minute window to get there and at this point, because they're new and exciting, those queues are pretty much going to be instant on your Fast. servers, no matter what you, or no matter what spec you are. So it, I think it's an awesome little thing that they're doing. I think it's a great ramp up too, especially after just finishing the Shattering, which I'll have a review for you guys. So don't worry. Um, but after having read through the Shattering and seeing what they wind up doing, and and this is a good build up to the, that sort of desperation that comes. You know,
0: I'm actually reading the shattering as we speak as well. So we'll be able to have some pretty good conversations about that. Um, We won't go on too much longer about that unless, Vince, did you have something to add? Uh, No, most of my uh,
1: questions and whatnot will be for the lore segment.
0: Yeah, because what we're going to do in the lore segment, we're actually going to talk about the quests leading up to the um, the actual events. Because I actually ran through all of the quests um, only on the the alliance side because that's my account that's active right now. So I went through all of the quests leading up to um, when this would occur. However, unfortunately, it didn't happen while I was online, so I didn't actually get to go and beat one of these bosses and get a chance at the loot. But I did do all the quests leading up. They were awesome. I had a ton of fun. We'll talk about it on the lore episode. Staying with WoW, however, we finally have the female worgen are in the beta build. So I'm going to play the video for the folks in the audience so that they can watch here while we actually talk about it briefly. I know that uh, you guys especially were not as crazy about the look of the females. Now that you've seen them animated, though, do you still feel the same? It's
2: grown on me a little bit. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, I have my Hunter transferred over to the beta. Uh, I have race changed her into a Worgen. And now that I can actually log in as a Worgen, I'm actually having a good time. So I think I, they look nice. I think the model is really, I think it's better. I like the faces now. It seems to fit a little bit more. And I like the fact that they dance like Lady Gaga.
1: Of course you would. I, of course I would. <laughs> Vince? Yeah, I, I I still have some small issues with it, but they, they suck a lot less now than the last couple of times we looked at them. <laughs> it's funny, I got to see a
0: lot of well, a lot of people were talking about it. The um, there's different things about the facial structure that people were complaining about and saying just doesn't fit, and it's true to a certain degree. Some of it still does. It that they it would make more sense to to change some things. She she still really does have Bugs Bunny feet. Like I mean seriously, that's I mean, if one of those suckers is white and gray, you're looking at Bugs Bunny. Um, That being said, one of the things that I especially liked was the running wild
1: animation because that was a extra arms. Yeah, (laughs) there there, there's definitely some potential for abuse there, though. Yeah, I thought
0: it looked fantastic. I I mean, the the problem is is that you're bringing in two new races. One of them has got. An unbelievable mount, <laughs> okay? The other one is just going to run on all fours. So yeah. you really got to make it so that it does look great. It looks good. I can especially see it as a druid where you're kind of running and then just basically jump and go into flight form would be awesome, would be very cool. So I actually was happy to see how it turned out. It still does not even begin to compare to the goblin mount, but, I mean, it's... it's It's something.
2: There's one interesting thing about it. Um, When you are in the running wild mode, your hitbox is actually slightly smaller. Um, This is probably a bug, and I hope they fix it. But you inevitably are going to wind up with a smaller box and a smaller collision area than if you are on a traditional mount. So there is a certain advantage to it, especially think of Warsong Gulch. There's a couple areas where you can scoot right under if you're on foot, but you can't if you're on a mount. Well, if you're running wild, guess what? You can Scoot right under these areas so that's an extra little bonus right now and i don't know if they're going to fix it i don't know if they're going to give them the same you know mountain why should they though of, of, i'm just saying i don't know if they're going to and i'm not saying that they should or shouldn't i just said i don't know i don't know if this is a design uh you know intention or if it's a flaw it could be either it's still beta you know but i thought it was interesting to note that you do have a smaller hitbox when you are in running wild mode
0: That's actually pretty awesome. That is really awesome. And it's not a game-breaking design. It'll give you some advantages in very specific circumstances. Um, But it it actually makes sense because you're not in a big mount i don't know that they would necessarily fix it because the hitboxes are already different based on what mount you have i mean you can get stuck in the tunnels in stormwind when you're going from the mages area through to the the bridge to head to the the center area if you are on any type of higher mount like an alec you're stuck you have to actually dismount to go so it would make sense that your hitbox would be smaller if you're just running wild so that's like awesome.
1: It. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Vince. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna be playing a female anyway, so it doesn't really bother me that much. The males look cool enough for me. i'm I'm just kinda, I haven't seen the running wild animation when wearing a robe though. All I've seen is you know, mostly naked. Like, it seems like it's gonna be kind of awkward you know on my Worgen Warlock running around on all fours in a robe. It's not that bad. to hike it up around my hips or something. Yeah, but it's I mean, have bad. you
0: looked at the animations for if you're wearing a robe on any mount? I mean, it just doesn't look yeah. good for the most part. There's very few mounts that it looks right on. But at least I don't have to look at it.
2: <laughs> but look it looks great. it looks a lot better in the Running Wild. My uh, I have a, a Worgen male Druid that uh, has the the whole other kilt thing going on, and it actually looks pretty nifty. So exactly. I mean, it, it's it's not that bad. But you can see like he's pumping his legs and, and going at it, and it looks they did a really really good job on the way animate like the way the animation moves for it they really did i was very surprised yep. and very happy
0: yeah no it does look good it, it was a uh, something that caused me quite a bit of concern because i found it disappointing that they weren't getting them out so but this is well done enough again especially for if you are uh, a druid i just can't get the thought out of my head of running around and especially because you're going to be able to fly anywhere in azeroth running jump boom flight floor, and you're laughing so moving away from WoW now, let's talk about one of the bigger games that came out last week, and that was Fable 3. Despite <laughs> that little voice in the back of my head, I actually week. pre-ordered the game. I had to order week. another game because of the free shipping for Amazon, so I ordered it. And because it was only $10 more, I actually ordered the collector's edition. That said, though, the I looked at what was going to be offered with the collectors versus the regular one for your $10 I really as much as I love cards was not gonna spend another 10 bucks for cards or that silly coin or a hard case it was the DLC for the most part that kinda threw it over the edge and I thought yeah for 10 bucks it's worth it for the DLC so I picked it up and I've put in 10 hours so far which I know is not that much for this game I've I've read reviews from people who've put in over 20 hours and they're still not done I'm going to talk about it a little bit more, time permitting, in our lore episode in terms of some of what is actually happening in the story and whatnot. But just to talk about the gameplay for a while. Peter has said some pretty (laughs) incredulous things in the past. He has talked about how different Fable 3 was going to be from Fable 2. Now, I've talked at length about Fable 2 on different podcasts and things where I had a lot of fun with the story the action in terms of any combat was disappointing because it had absolutely no consequence. If you if you died, you didn't die. You were just knocked out and you came back and had a scar on you. And because my guy was pure evil, had horns out of his head, a couple of scars on his back, no big deal. I really didn't care. So basically, I would just dive into huge groups of mobs keep shooting, fighting, slicing, biting, doing whatever I had to. And if I got knocked out, no big deal. It'd come back. The mobs didn't regenerate their health back to normal. So I'd eventually get them all down. And that's how I played Fable 2. It really made the combat, um, it, it, though at times fun, it didn't matter in terms of, again, consequences. It was very much a an RPG in terms of the story mattering. Um, although the ending was... Absolutely terrible. The ending was terrible. It was just so goddamn bad. <laughs> it was so terrible. It was, was terrible. De- dude, was you got to trust terrible me. Terrible damage. Shut up, YouTube. It was bad. Okay, so anyway, so now when Peter started talking about Fable 3, he started saying that they were changing a lot about it and that it would be less RPG and more of an action-adventure. It's not. that. That's our first Peter Molyneux lie. That's It's not an action adventure, it is an RPG. Now that's not a bad thing for me because I enjoy RPGs. However, even me at times, I'm playing this sucker thinking, can I just please kill something? I want to hit something with my big mace here and I can't, give me something to kill because all you're doing is you're playing freaking patty cake and dancing with Bob the Beggar. So seriously, dude, like, I mean, This is one of the things that Lionhead does, and it's either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you are and what you want from an RPG. Lionhead goes, you know, there's that line that I know I like to dance upon it sometimes, where, you know, this this makes absolutely no sense, and this makes sense, and there's that line in the middle of... You know, this is where you want to try to have your games, where people can buy what you're trying to sell them, but not feel like you're you're taking them as fools. Peter doesn't see that line. Peter's got a blindness to lines. He doesn't get that. He doesn't understand that concept. So the humor that is in the game is so freaking far removed from what is normal. I mean, seriously, you're <laughs> you're you can check. People as you're trying to win over their faction so that they like you, you can check if they're straight or not because that's in the game, of course, and you you have different options of what you can do with them to either win them over or piss them off kind of thing. And this gets very tedious because your options are limited, especially at the beginning. Eventually, you learn that you can dance with people and you do some freaking weird salsa kind of and you're dancing. But I, I discovered this by doing it with Bob the Beggar. I'm going dance? Maybe it's a manly dance because he appears to be straight. No. At the end, I've got him up in the air like Jennifer What's-Her-Name from freaking (laughs) dance, that that Patrick Swayze dance show. Seriously. It's like, what? And I've got him up and I'm going, oh, my God, I'm Patrick Swayze. This is wrong. And then I put him down and Bob the Beggar is my friend now. Bob loves me. And I'm going like, oh, my God,
1: Peter. You touched him in the right spot. Yeah, Yeah, apparently. I lifted
0: him up. So that's what you get from this game. And it's, again, the first time when it happened, I did laugh. I laughed a lot, but it was like, oh, my God, this, it it, you can't expect me to take your game seriously then and take the evil king seriously when you've got me dancing with Bob the Beggar like Patrick Swayze. It's not going to happen. And then there's a lot of aspects of the game that, are lacking as well like he he said that he changed he wanted to change all of the menu systems and everything so that it wasn't as complicated as fable 2 because fable 2 apparently for those who had a brain could not handle it this now instead of menus you immediately go to a sanctuary zone your sanctuary and there's a map there that you can view you can change your outfits there and that's where of course jasper which is john cleese is the problem is is that it shouldn't be that difficult for me just to want to pull up a map. I should be able to hit one button and get a map. But no, I have to go to sanctuary and I have to look at the map and then I have to navigate around the map. It doesn't work. The menu system still sucks. It is. Is it better than Fable Two? Yes, it is. But it's a well, pain not in a the hard ass. Thing to improve upon. Oh yeah. But it is. It is better. But it still is clunky because it is relying entirely on. Um, the the sanctuary and everything within sanctuary. So you've got to run around. Now you can use your D-pad to be able to bounce between the rooms in sanctuary so that you can quickly get to what you want to see. However, even at times the D-pad doesn't work. So when you first bounce in, the D-pad doesn't work. So then you got to run a little bit and, and Oh, there, there it is now. Meanwhile, I'm halfway to the freaking dressing room. Anyways, I may as well just run and wave to Jasper on my way over. The way they've got the costumes set up, your outfits, in, um, in the dressing room is better because you can visually see them on, on uh, mannequins that they've got set up. But again, there's a lot of things that just – you're not given stats, so you can't see stats on your outfits to see which one would be the best to wear. I don't think there is a best to wear. So basically you could go out in your pajamas and do just as much damage and, and not take any damage. Or the same as if you wore the freaking pirate dude outfit. And it's the same thing with the weapons. So you go to the weapons room, and there's your weapons. And yeah, they change, like Peter said, they change when you are doing damage and whatnot. My freaking mace is awesome. It's just big freaking hunk. But there's no way to tell whether or not my big whole hunk and junk of mace there is doing any more damage than the one that you start off with, the freaking rock on a stick. So you can't tell which one actually. And when you're actually fighting mobs... It's not like you've got a damage meters. It's not like there's any numbers flying up saying you just hit them for ten or whatever. You just hit them until they fall over, and that's basically it. You were gonna say something?
2: No, no. I really can't add anything <laughs> to these proceedings. I really so, cannot.
0: I don't want to slam it too hard. I'm actually writing a review on it, and I'm trying really hard to be uh, to not be too negative because I'm at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the gaming session. I still had fun so far there are some maddening aspects so far however I've gotten that in damn near every game anyways. So that's not going to change. So then I'm trying to weigh, okay, is it that bad that it's ruining a gaming session? Or is it something that I can just deal with? And so far, I can deal with it. Unfortunately, the combat is the same thing as two we're in. There are no consequences. And I hate that. So basically, I'm just going in with my mace. I'm swinging it all around. There's really no trick to fighting. The button layout like I mean it was simple in 2 and he said he simplified it for 3 and I don't see that it's actually simplified. It's pretty much the same as 2. It is unbelievably simple. I mean you you've got your your melee attack, your ranged weapon attack and your fire attack. And then you can bounce around a little if you want to roll. That's it. So it's it's really not Complicated. It 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 can be engaging and fun if you don't want to be knocked out, because then you're being a little bit more careful. But if you don't care about getting knocked out, if a scar on your back doesn't bother you, or wherever else they appear so far, I haven't seen any. Then really, you're just gonna go in swinging, and then you get knocked out. No big deal. Like when I was fighting a, a boss, the first boss, I got knocked out, and for that split second before I knew I was gonna get revived, I was disappointed. And I was like, God damn it. Okay, I'm going to have to be more careful. Oh, look, and I'm fighting again. And that was it. And then I just kept going at him. <laughs> and he fell over. And it was like, oh, well, crap. So to that end, I know that they want to keep the action moving so that people don't lose interest. But unfortunately, they've forgotten one of the more important aspects of gaming, especially right now. And that is consequences to your actions. And that involves combat. So we're going to stop there because I am going to talk a little bit more about it time permitting in the lore episode so that we can talk about some of the stories that are actually taking place and my fancy dances with Bob the Beggar. So with that, we're actually going to wrap it up and we are going to have the lore episode next for anybody who is in the live audience. I will have this recorded episode ready for you all tomorrow. And with that, we'll talk to you guys next week. I got great big blisters on my bloodshot eyes. i looking at that long way. That's no way to talk about his mom. <laughs> I'm not making mm-hmm. a new one on Zoljin. So, what I got there is that, that's it.
1: <laughs> For now.
0: No, I'm not. No, because so well, mine again. No, I'm not. Because I, all of my my heirlooms are all on Feathermoon, <laughs> like <laughs> screw that shit, I am not running another alt without heirlooms, just not going to happen, ever again, well my, I'm making a rogue worgen, so the, I've got the heirloom dagger and swords and, and I've got crusaders on all of them, so, and I can interchange them because I've got three or four of them, plus I got that the freaking one-handed mace and I slap Crusader on that son of a bitch, too, so that, because I can use that, it has better stats for a rogue, actually, so it's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I'll go with my heirlooms. <sighs> You're not seeing Vince? Vince is there. You were not there. You were not there for a good long while.
1: So, Mr. Joe. Shh, don't don't mock the Skype until we're done with the show. My, pocket, the my righteous fury will be vindicated. Tiny, blister blister
0: blister. So, is everybody ready, then? As I'm going to be. I'm
2: good whenever. The
0: enthusiasm, it's there.
2: (laughs) Dude, I got a fucking new, I got a new chair. No way. Wow. Dude. I got a new chair. Thank you so much. That
0: thank you from the bottom of my editing finger. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Constantly editing out every time you're bending over to let one out. all the freaking time all years oh god joe's scratching somewhere what the <laughs> hell <laughs> actually i told yes. i told tart before she left seattle to make sure that she gave her chair to you when she got there and she said i don't have one and i said how would you be with just being on your hands and knees and letting him sit on you uh, and then she had some <laughs> comments to say about that that i did not need to hear I'm,
2: I'm sure she did. She's actually sitting in the other room right now.
0: <laughs> it's not like she's working. An hobo. We're actually going to bring in Hoogs for a very quick little lowdown on Red Dead Redemption's Undead Nightmare. Joe, did you actually start playing this? No. Okay, and I'm assuming, Vince, you still haven't picked up the game, right? Nope. Still can't get the commercial out of my head. <laughs> All right, good enough. Hoogs, you there? Hoogs, put the bottle down. Answer me. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. Take, We're not, take not, the dick out of God. your mouth, Hoogs.
2: Take, take <laughs> the dick out of your mouth, buddy.
0: Forget it. I'm editing this out. I can't hear you, brother. Okay, he's gone. Damn it. <laughs> you had your chance. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: Hoogs. Hoogs,
0: you had your chance. You could have been on the show again, but I mean... I'm, I know I'm waiting that you- for the
2: stream of obscenity.
0: I know that you live out in the middle of Wazoo with your freaking mother under a tent, and you have to get her to hold up the antennas so that the reception is half decent. But wow, man. Okay, forget it then. So all that's going to be, wait, what? Dude, you'll hear it in the outtakes.
1: It was was nothing
2: but static and awful. There's
1: a bit of Charlie Brown in there. (laughs) 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 That was his mom. That's Charlie Brown's teacher is modeled after his mom. You should have bought Castlevania.
2: No. Yeah, Castlevania is awesome. No. no. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Castlevania didn't come with cards, <laughs>
1: it came with awesome. <laughs>